welcome to the Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number six. I'm Philip Wells, a member of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in New Alm, Minnesota. Today we begin with the Canaan Bound Devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. We return to the scene of that new and fresh world, the world that began anew after the Great Flood, now over 42 centuries ago. Remember what the people did? They had the whole world before them. But instead of filling that world with godly altars to worship the Lord God, they sought to make a name for themselves. And, marvel of all marvels, we see people getting a lawn. Only one problem. They're getting a lawn as they cooperated in rebellion toward God. This is the best mankind can manage, working together to forget God cooperating on a project which shuts God's will out and makes mankind the center of the picture. Does our sense of self-sufficiency ever get so great that we begin to swallow this mindset? We see what wonderful things mankind has been gifted to do, to create, to engineer. Where does God go when our factories and our stores are filled with good things? If anything, ought he not all the more be praised by you and me, for the wisdom given to mankind and the things we can accomplish together. The pride of our early ancestors was void of honoring God. They sought to find goodness in the works of their own hands, their own engineering. What did it matter what God desired? Fill the earth? Spread out? No, I don't don't think so. You can keep your word of God to yourself. We've got a city to build. They could do more than what God was asking, couldn't they? People try to toss aside the events of the Tower of Babel as a myth or mere allegory, something that didn't really happen. They say that the Hebrews were trying to explain the reason why there are so many different languages. The inspired text of Scripture, however, doesn't try to explain the way things are today by making up stories. It reveals history. History which doesn't speak well of anyone, including the Hebrew people. It is a real story of sin and of God's response to mercy. Why are there so many languages in the world? On the one hand, you could say the reason is God. He was the one who dispersed the tower builders by confusing their language. On the other hand, was it really God? The real reason is one that everyone really hates to admit, pride humanism, or the prideful attitude of seeking good from our own strength or mind. That's the reason we must deal with so many unique languages today, which don't bring us together but divide. But you also, can't you also see it as God's grace? God once again intervenes in history. He had to. If people were going to cooperate in rebellion, he would have to intervene. He had a promise to keep for us all. It is a real part of all our history. God intervened as he came down to this world to save us. He intervened as he sent the Holy Spirit with gifts to his church to get the good news out. And languages were spoken that were previously unknown. And he intervenes still today as you and others share the good news of Jesus. God changes our plans, the plans of this world, for life and for eternal life. We read from Genesis chapter 11, verses 5 through 9. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, 
If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Like the people of Israel on the way to Canaan, you are waiting for more than one intervention, as God changes our history once again. Just as he did in Christ, he will once more. Remember the promised rest. Next up, a short devotion with Pastor Aaron Nitz. The verse from God's Word that we're going to look at today is from the book of Psalms, um, Psalm 90, verse 1. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. So what are you looking forward to in this new year? We have a new year ahead of us with all kinds of new opportunities, joys, adventures, and possibilities. Oh, but at the same time, we also realize that because of sin, a new year will also bring times of pain, trouble, disappointment, and sadness. So where are we to look as we head into this new year? In the midst of changes, let's look to our eternal, everlasting, and unchanging God. With the uncertain future ahead of us, let's look to the past and see our, own, our God's faithfulness, even in our own personal history. When facing joys or challenges, let's look to our God who is our dwelling place, our place of refuge in time and eternity. Boy, what confidence is ours as we head into the new year. We have our eternal and everlasting God with us and guiding us to our eternal dwelling place with him. Boy, that makes me joyful to have another blessed new year in the Lord. And it makes you joyful as well. God's blessings on your day. Next up, we have Loving Arms, a song by Spark and Echo. You can find more of Spark and Echo's music at sparkandechoband.com. This song is based off of Jesus' invitation for the little children recorded in Mark 10, 14 through 16. You can find more information on this lullaby and find the lyrics, chords, and sheet music offered at sparkandecho.org slash loving dash arms. As you lay your little head May you hear what Jesus said Loving arms 
Now it's time for God's Word for You with Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 1, verses 13 to 15. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Verse 13 foreshadows something that is still on the way. Ominously, we are told that just as the devil begins to strike at Job's world, all of Job's children are together at one of their regular events. We don't need to be told what Job was doing. We already know. When his children got together, he didn't know whether any of them sinned, but he always made a burnt offering on their behalf. We can all but smell the roasting meat with Job as the hurried footsteps of a running servant approach. The Sabaeans attacked. The oxen and donkeys are all gone. The servants are all killed. It seems best to equate these Sabaeans with the nation we will later call Sheba when their queen goes to visit Solomon and is left breathless. Sheba was located in the southern tip of what we call the Arabian Peninsula. The modern nation there is Yemen. It's probable that the Sabaeans did not come all the way from that far south to Job, but from the north of Saudi Arabia. Later on, they're associated with Tima, an oasis not far from the modern Muslim city of Medina. There's even a riverbed there called the Wadi Ashaba, the Sabaean Creek. It's close to Medina. Later in Job, the Sabaeans are described as traveling merchants in chapter 6. Isaiah 45.14 calls them those tall Sabaeans, and we recall that several African tribes were known for remarkable height, such as the Watutsi and the nearby Meroe of Nubia. Job's world was beginning to be struck by Satan. The blows would continue. The attacks would grow worse. When God permits us to be tested, how will we react? Will we become angry? Depressed? Will we turn to him for help and support? The Sabaean raid cost Job a huge percentage of his possessions, and about a third of his servants were murdered. How will Job react? We pray, Lord God, help us to look to you for help in the cold, whether we have colds or whether we are cold. Never let our love run cold. Amen. Martin Luther says this about this section. When God gives us a purse full of money, a field full of grain and a cellar full of wine, and when he lets us be without cross and temptation and enjoy ourselves, then we have a good time and come to think that everything is rosy and that we're sitting in God's lap. But when God conceals and hides himself and lets the devil do with us what he pleases, then there is trouble and sorrow. Yes, there is death itself. 
From the example of Job, one can understand to some extent what it is to be forsaken of God. More about this later. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now, Passage in Prayer with Pastor David Beckman. 1 Kings 19.9 And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? That's a good question, Lord. What was your prophet doing hiding in a cave when he had you, the Almighty God, by his side? You burned up the altar on Mount Carmel. Couldn't you also protect Elijah from his enemies? Yet we have been there too. We've crawled into our caves of self-pity, forgetting that you are near or believing that you are far away, questioning your power or wondering why you don't use it the way we would, doubting your love or closing our eyes to its most striking demonstration, the gift of your Son. With your boundless love, pull us out of our caves of doubt or self-pity and ignite in us the fire of devoted service. Tune our ears to your word and our hearts to Christ's cause. Give us an ever clearer view of the service we offer you. In a kind word of encouragement, in a reminder that heaven is our home, in words about Jesus' forgiveness, in actions that testify of your power to save, let us see your work being done through us. Use us, Lord, as your prophets in a dying world, trusting that Christ does his work as we work for him. Keep reminding us in Jesus' good news that each day is a day of sacred service offered to you in Christ's holy name. Hear us for his sake. Amen. And now, some church history. It has been argued that between the Apostle Paul and Martin Luther, no single man has had a greater impact on the Christian world than Emperor Constantine. Constantine emerged from a very unlikely place. The emperors that preceded him were no friends to the growing Christian church. Oddly enough, this is reflected in his status under both his pagan and Christian subjects. On the one hand, his pagan contemporaries deified him. Meanwhile, his Christian subjects made him out to be a saint. In fact, he's still on par as the apostles in today's Greek Orthodox Church. Immediately upon taking power, Constantine showed favor toward the Christian Church. The seemingly superstitious use of Constantine's key row use of the symbol for Christ, the Greek monogram, shows that he still had some pagan underlinings in his new Christian faith. In the end, however, it's clear he was devoted to Christ. What is most remarkable about this is the extreme persecutions of Christians right up to Constantine's time. The emperors before him ignited one of the most savage and widespread persecutions of Christians. But by 1313 AD, an edict was declared to which Constantine's name was attached, that Christians have the freedom to assemble and to worship. While other parts of the Roman Empire continued persecution for a few years, Constantine's immediately put a stop to it in his domain in 306 when he had power. By 313, 
He issued edicts returning the property that had been taken from Christians during the persecutions only a few years earlier. Christians were made exempt from taking part in public rituals. Clergy was exempt from taxes. Laws were passed that favored Christians in many ways. Imagine the tables turned now for these early Christians. They now had someone on the throne who supported them. Persecutions were quelled and calmed. Worship could be done on the now official day of rest in the Roman Empire, called Sunday. Over the following years, other laws were passed by succeeding rulers. Church property became tax-exempt. Christians could get a trial before their bishop instead of public court. Many favorable things happened for the Christian church. But the church does not rest on the shoulders of secular government. The following rulers also showed clearly Christians cannot rely on the state to support the work of the church. Constantine's successor began to support Arius, who taught falsely regarding Christ. Emperor Julian instituted more persecutions. He declared temples of the pagan gods to be reopened. He outlawed private schools and instituted teacher certification, clear attempts at reducing the influence of Christian teachers on the young. Fourth century Christian life was a wavering between enjoying the benefits of a Christian government to once again tasting the bitterness of an anti-Christian government. We can certainly thank God for when he does give us godly rulers who support Christian causes, but we cannot rely on that. We can't look to the governing authorities to do what only God will do through his appointed means. Keep our nation and its leaders in your prayers. Pray that we have God-fearing rulers. Pray that those rulers don't use their power to support false teachings. Pray that the church is allowed to continue to freely spread the gospel with peace. Pray that the members of God's church act while it is still day and the work can be done. Pray that we can stand firm with the word of God and the sword of the spirit when the sword of man comes into our lives. And now we will close out our time together with All Glory to Our Lord and God by Koine. All glory to our Lord and God For love so deep, so high, so broad The Trinity
Again, we would like to thank Spark and Echo Band, as well as Koine, for helping provide music for this episode. You can find music from Spark and Echo at sparkandechoband.com or lyrics, chords, and sheet music at sparkandecho.org. Music from Koine can be found at koinemusic.com. Both of these bands may also be found in iTunes. You have been listening to Episode 6 of Canaan Bound Podcast. This podcast was first shared in January 2013. Visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and of the artists featured on this podcast. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.